0: This is an ABC podcast. What's the most extraordinary object you've ever held in your hand? I can boast a piece of the moon and even a small piece of rock, some zirconite from Western Australia, about 4.2 billion, yes, billion years old. I'm also quite fond of a couple of proud samples of fossil poo. Who knows, from a dinosaur or diprotodont, my paleontological friends argue about their provenance, but they could be 100,000 years old. Anyway, how can you tell what anything is really made of and its history? Meet Dr. Rachel Popelka-Filkoff, an Associate Professor of Analytical Chemistry at Flinders University. She's speaking at the Museum of Discovery in Adelaide.
1: No matter where we are in the world, we're connected on an individual level to our immediate family members and our broader family relationships. Then we have larger spheres of influence, our friends, neighbors, and workmates. Our connections to these groups and the many daily social interactions we have with them and with other people around us are threads that weave into our shared cultural fabric. Although they're expressed in different ways and forms across the world, The essentials are the same. These networks are formulated on social interaction, but there's another ingredient that they need too, the exchange of items. Whether it's a cup of coffee or a birthday gift, this exchange is key interaction that forms society. We require these material items to represent the trading of ideas and economic value. My research uses analytical chemistry to understand these connections, especially when these networks are lost to time. Take a moment and think through the various materials and objects that you interact with on a daily basis. What's in your purse? What's in your pocket? In your home? In your workplace? Some objects are disposable. Some remain across generations. What do they represent? We may throw away the plastic and paper wrappings, but consider the things you hold on to. Certainly your grandmother's favorite painting, or perhaps your grandfather's watch, holds not only monetary value, but also personal and family values. If archeological scientists were looking at our lives a thousand years in the future, what could they make of Australian culture in 2019? Imagine they couldn't access the internet and social media, and maybe had some information from historical accounts but only the objects remained. How could they even begin to reconstruct an understanding of how our society worked and how individuals interacted, especially if the objects were out of context from their original locations? The main idea we're working with here is the idea of provenance. That is, how can we determine the origins of a material or object? This is even more important when the cultural context is lost. Studies of provenance bring up fascinating questions about how materials are important to people, as well as how these materials were exchanged. Was the material found down the road, or was it exchanged across the landscape? If it was found thousands of kilometers from its origin, how did it get there? A striking archaeological example of the power of this exchange is from Smith and Veth who document finding a baler shell from the Gulf of Carpentaria in the Great Sandy Desert, thousands of kilometers from any coast. Clearly, the shell was significant enough for it to be exchanged through several individuals and networks of cultural groups on its journey. But how can we determine the provenance of an item? We use the idea of a fingerprint, that is, a unique signature for the origins of the material. Every geological location has a signature or a fingerprint. And if we know the signature of that particular geological location, we can identify the origins of that material. It's got fingerprints all over it. By creating large databases of these fingerprints, we can use statistics to recreate these networks of exchange that have been lost to time. By knowing their fingerprint, we can see the different groups they were exchanged through, how far they got from their point of origin, and through that, understand a few things about the way society at that time functioned and interacted. If this all sounds very CSI or Sherlock Holmes, the reason for that is that the techniques used in forensics and archaeology are often very similar, but the timescales are different. Instead of solving a forensic question from last week, we use the same approach to identify materials from hundreds or even thousands of years ago. Often people learn about what I do and ask if I work on the dating of objects. This reminds me of one of the textbooks I saw in the library when I was studying at university, which was called Dating for Archaeologists. (laughs) No, this was not about academic love lives, but analytical science. And my work is not about finding the age of objects, but about the chemical fingerprint that characterizes something and makes it unique. The curiosity about finding where things come from and where they have traveled has taken me from historical archaeological sites in the American Midwest, archeological excavations in Europe and the Middle East, national laboratories and museums around the world, and now focusing on Australian cultural questions. When people ask me what I do, I usually say I'm an archeological chemist. That is someone who uses chemistry to study archeology, span not someone who is very old. (laughs) I used advanced analytical methods coupled with statistics to understand all of our humanity. My work in particular has focused on the understanding of natural pigments, specifically ochre, which covers a wide range of natural mineral pigments, including red to brown to yellow, and is used by indigenous people worldwide. Here in Australia, ochre is used on rock art, shields, boomerangs, and many other cultural objects. While my studies are focused on the past, I should emphasize that ochre remains a very significant material to indigenous people today. My work allows us to reconstruct cultural exchange from the past using chemistry, which is important, as many of these exchange routes that lasted for thousands of years are now lost. In order to understand the provenance of these ochre materials, the first thing we need to do is to characterize and to find that fingerprint. We do this in a variety of ways, primarily focusing on the elements, that is, ones that you find on a periodic table. The pattern of elements is what creates that fingerprint. We are interested in both the elements that make up the iron oxide materials hematite and gotite and other minerals which the ochre is composed of, as well as those elements that are found in very, very trace amounts. The major element should be common to all of those minerals, these are mainly the iron oxides, however, it's the trace element pattern that gives us this fingerprint. So an ochre for one location should have a different fingerprint to none for another location. To detect these fingerprints, we use the Neutron Activation Analysis Facility at the Opel Research Reactor, which is the only nuclear reactor in Australia, located in New South Wales, and is only used for research. By putting the samples essentially in a bath or a flux of neutrons, we activate individual atoms. Over a period of decay from less than a second to tens of thousands of years, these activated atoms emit gamma rays depending on their characteristic half-lives. We can then identify and quantify these elements by identifying the gamma rays based on their energy. We also use a similar technique by using X-rays, where we promote electrons in our samples to higher energy levels, and as they return to lower energy levels, they fluoresce, emitting a characteristic X-ray that we can measure and identify the elements present. In this way, we use nuclear and X-ray methods to really probe the chemistry on an atomic level, which has advantages over other forms of chemical analysis. The X-ray method is completely non-destructive to our cultural heritage samples. We can also use X-ray fluorescence microscopy at the Australian synchrotron and analyze samples at the 5 to 10 micron scale. In that way, we can characterize the nuances of these natural mineral pigments. We can also use x rays as a handheld portable device, traveling around the world analyzing things as we go. By putting together these statistics for these large scale complex comparisons, we can compare samples and sources to identify the relationships between the samples and their origins, or perhaps sources to sources. We can then put this information together with cultural or archaeological information to recreate these exchange routes. In understanding Aboriginal ochre pigments, we can begin to reconstruct how people exchange these significant materials and what that means in terms of the use of pigments across the Australian landscape. Some of our recent work has characterized the fingerprint for ochre sources across South Australia using a bulk analysis, as well as identifying the diversity of the elements on the micron scale in each source that makes them unique. We've also non-destructively analyzed a boomerang and a bark painting at the Australian synchrotron to not only understand the ochre material, but also understand the layering and the thickness of the pigments on the object, again, all completely non-destructively. Australians travel the world, and we interact with the larger global community. Take a step back and consider. Do your important or everyday objects come from down the road, or do they take a much larger journey? What does that say about our society? Next time you might look at that ceramic plate, mobile phone, or even a piece of clothing in a different way and wonder what it says about you and how you exchange your ideas with the people around you. And you never know, maybe I'll analyse it with a portable x-ray analyzer and be able to tell you that story based on the chemistry of the object alone.
0: That would be fun. Checking material on the spot. One of the most significant discoveries of ochre was in fact in the cave in the Northern Territory where people first arrived 65,000 years ago and it showed those first Australians already had a sophisticated culture. That was Dr Rachel Popelka-Filkoff, an Associate Professor of Analytical Chemistry at Flinders University, speaking at the Occam's Razor Live event, Museum of Discovery in Adelaide. I'm Robin Williams.